Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Somewhere not too long ago, I re-encountered a peculiar quotation. don't recall where it was now, so unfortunately I cannot give the appropriate credits. But I recently saw my little note, the one that I had made this little scratching piece of paper, so that I would be reminded and possibly use it in a broadcast like this particular one. Well, I saw it again as I was filing some stuff recently. I think it bears some thought once again. Quote is not really a straightforward thought at all. One may even suggest that it is akin to what might be called a mixed metaphor, if you take my meaning. There are many parallels and conclusions that we can draw from the quote itself if we use our imagination a little bit. I suppose this is why when I originally heard it, I wrote it down and intending to use it more about the implications it proposes. I hope after all the talking you're keen to hear this quotation and to consider its merits. There are just five words in the quote. It's not very long at all, but the contrast is meaningful. Here are those five words. After the ecstasy, the laundry. That's the end of the quote. That was short, so I warned you. So let me say it again. After the ecstasy, the laundry. Well, what do you think? What comes into your mind when you hear those words, after the ecstasy, the laundry? First, what is ecstasy? It is defined as an overwhelming feeling of great happiness or joyful excitement. That's a definition I looked at anyway. I'll ask you, when was the last time you felt an overwhelming feeling of great happiness or joyful excitement? I'm sure each one of us has felt something akin to this at one time or another during our lifetimes. One of mine was at the birth of each of my grandchildren. So in the theme of the moment, after such moments of ecstasy, it comes time to do the laundry. In other words, it seems, after the mountaintop experiences of life, there always follows a valley experience, a high, then a low. We must learn in life to deal with this reality. We must also realize that the same sequence attends religious experiences that we may encounter as well. And it is particularly the religious experiences to which I want to refer in a minute.
After the ecstasy, the laundry. Valuable wisdom from an unknown writer to help us learn how to manage these life experiences. 
remembering that after each mountaintop experience, after the joy, the excitement, the emotional high have all been experienced, we've celebrated the fact there will come a time when we will sink into some kind of an emotional low. Times when we hurt in one form or another. Times when we might even despair. Times when we yearn again for the highs of that mountaintop experience. Highs that now seem so far away from us. The caution is when it comes to our religious experiences, there are mountaintop experiences followed by valleys as well. Sometimes we feel so near to God and he feels so close to us. Our hearts burst with love. Our joy overflows. We feel elevated. But soon after such experiences, we often have to face that lonesome valley. The night may be dark, his presence not nearly as close or as wonderful or as obvious as we remember. The caution to us in these circumstances is to remain focused on the Lord. The enemy will often come and plant seeds of doubt and discord in our hearts during these times. But we must continue to look to Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. Trust him to bring us through the valley. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley, he will be with us and carry us when we fall. After the ecstasy, the laundry. But the Lord will be there to help us carry the laundry basket. Death, my 
And now with this message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Echoes of Calvary once again. Last time, we ended our message with this statement. Genuine worship is the privilege and joy of believers in Christ only. I repeat, genuine worship is the privilege and joy of believers in Christ only. No one without a heart cleansed by the blood of Christ and a body indwelt by the Spirit of God can worship God in a way that pleases Him. Today, we will expand the biblical teaching on this truth. The only kind of worshipers that can offer genuine, acceptable worship to God are those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. The Apostle Paul states this fact very clearly, that only Christians qualify for this experience. Please hear his words as given in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision. And let me explain this first. In context, this term refers to believers who have been cleansed by the blood of Christ through faith in his death for them on the cross. That is the meaning of circumcision in this passage. So Paul is saying here is that Christians are those who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Notice again, because this is a definition of a true Christian. A Christian is defined as those who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh when doing so. Friends, that's a truly biblical definition of a Christian. Let me repeat it because I want you to remember it. A Christian is one who worships God by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh in doing so. Now, when he put these texts together with the biblical concept of confession of sin, we can come up with the biblical definition of what it means to worship in spirit and in truth which is the major focus of this series of messages. So, here's my preliminary definition of worship from a biblical perspective. And I repeat, this is my concern for these series, these messages today or in the coming days. Here's my definition then. To worship means to give honor or worth to God with a pure heart, cleansed by the blood of Christ through confession and the enablement of the Holy Spirit apart from fleshly motivation or distraction. And this is so important, I'm going to repeat it. To worship means to give honor or worth to God with a pure heart cleansed by the blood of Christ through confession and the enablement of the Holy Spirit apart from fleshly motivations or distraction, or we can say, or enablement. This is so important, we want to look at it phrase by phrase. First, to give honor or worth to God. This is derived from the core meaning of the word worship itself. The word means essentially to give worth to, to honor one who is superior to you. It carries the inherent connotation of doing obeisance to or to prostrate oneself before. In other words, it's an act of humbling oneself before another who is acknowledged as being greater than we are. It means to glorify another through words or actions of praise. There's no better example or model of this 
than what is given in chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 4 focuses on God the Father as Creator, and chapter 5 focuses on God the Son as the Savior Lamb. Here then, the very Word of God describing believers worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Remember now, this is God speaking to and through the Apostle John. Hear carefully then the Word of God. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Hear these words now. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Friends, that's our model for worshiping in spirit and in truth. But now listen also to chapter 5. Again, God speaking. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one with a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. 
They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying and singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. My friends, that's genuine worship. That's worshipping in spirit and in truth. And it is our model of how we will be worshipping in heaven. Shouldn't we be doing it now on earth as well? Notice in all of this, there's no focus on self. No art trying to feel good about ourselves. It all has to do about worshipping the triune God. Notice three striking things. First, the center and focus of worship is upon God. It is he that we praise. It is he that we exalt. It is he that we speak of. We exalt him. There's no focus on us at all. It's all about who he is and what he has done. Second, the concern is to please God, not self. Friends, we don't worship because it makes us feel good, but rather because it should make God feel good. Worship is for God, not for man. It is a Godward action, not manward. That's why the question to be answered after worship service is not, did you like the service, but rather, did God like or accept it? Sad to say, however, if biblical criteria is taken in consideration, and that is my concern, I fear that many times we may leave feeling good because we've had such a grand time, feet stamping, hand clapping, and all of that. But God himself is not feeling good because he had to reject our worship because it did not meet his criteria. Thirdly, these model heavenly worshipers use their voices as well as their bodies to worship. They sang robustly, the scripture says loudly, and they prostrated themselves before the God they worship. When last have you seen that in a worship service? That's the way it will be and is being done in heaven. Yet isn't it amazing how some of us are even afraid to raise or clap our hands in our dignified evangelical worship services? I tell you, beloved, for some of us, either heaven has to change or we will have to do so if we're going to meet the biblical criteria for genuine worship. The focus has to be upon God, not ourselves. In worship, we are not the audience. God is. We are to please him, not ourselves. And we can only please him if we worship him by meeting his criteria and not ours. Worship is one activity that we cannot do it and have our way. We must do it God's way. And his first requirement is that we worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we will continue with the remaining aspects of our definition of worship next time, Lord willing. But until then, this is Senior Pastor Teacher Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. It 
comes from heaven when his blessed face we see. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Christ could come again.